Watch it! I wish I was 50 years younger no, and no. I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. And they often are. A wife is often the harshest critic <laughs> of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof it the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochford has never spoken to Jim McGinnis in his life. Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us five three one zero six. We're streaming the conversation as well, so you can listen on News Talk and also watch us on the Off the Ball digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Search OTB Sports in your app store to download it now if you haven't already. This week's Saturday panel is brought to you with thanks to the all new Renault Arcana, the sporty, spacious hybrid SUV. So this Renault sponsor panel dedicated to sports stars who've excelled. At more than one sport, think about all the legends of this country. Kevin Moran, Kieran Donaghy, Katie Taylor, Breach Corkery, Rena Buckley, Teddy McCarthy, Terry McHugh, Niall Quinn, Shane Curran, Shane Long, who've all excelled at more than one sport. So we're delighted to talk about that in the next hour, the benefits of it, what maybe young people should be doing, and just the insights of playing different sports and excelling at them. With Mick Galway, the former Kerry footballer, All-Ireland winner, and Irish Rugby International. The ex-All-Ireland winner of the Dubs in football and UCD soccer and Chamac Rovers player and basketball player Jason Sherlock and the Longford Gaelic footballer and former Essendon Aussie Rules player Mickey Quinn. Mick, Jason and Mickey, how are we all getting on? Good, John. Good. Good to see you. Hey, thanks. Good to see you and hear you. Um, Mick, I believe you met Roy Keane last night. I did. I know, well, Roy Keane met me, if you want to put it that way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were down in Tralee and it was, um, it was a great evening. Obviously, social distancing and, and all the COVID uh, regulations were taken. But it, it, was, um, it was meant to happen two years ago. It was in, in aid of Kerry Hospice and Roy had committed to, to doing a, just a chat and that's what it was. Uh, Matt Cooper um, interviewed him and it was a great evening. It was, it was a fantastic evening. It was great to catch up with, with lads and Kerry that I haven't seen in a while. But I... I got back on the train this morning and I'm back in Kilkenny now, so that's, uh, that's to be done. But it was, it was great. And, and you know, I, I've always admired uh, Roy Keane, but, um, you know, just to meet him in the flesh and to chat to him and listen to him, you know, up, up close and personal was, uh, was fantastic. And for a great cause as well and a bit of slagging, I'm sure, with him picture with the Kerry jersey there, Mick. Absolutely, yeah. Sure, look, and uh, we, uh, we made sure that we gave him a, a Kerry jersey and he promised that he wouldn't be uh, dumb with it in, in the Lakes of Clare or like that. So uh, he's, he's bringing it back to Cork. Did you meet him earlier in your career, Mick, at all? Did you ever cross paths? I, I remember I met him. I, 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 I met him one time. I think Munster were heading somewhere and we met him in Dublin Airport or something like that. But it was, you know, it was just a low how's it going. But um, I really had a, had a good chat with him yesterday, you know, even before the, the function started. I, I had a nice chat with him. And, and you know what you see is what you get, you know, um, even, you know, even when he wasn't on stage, he's, he's the same character that you see in the punditry or, or whatever, but um, good character, I must say, and I really enjoyed his company. You were on the golf course this morning, Jason. Was, John, I'd love to say um, I'm sunburned, but uh, I was just trying to get the heat back into me. Um, I teed off, I'm a member in Castanach Golf Club, and I teed off at 8.30, and after four holes, I wished I stayed in bed. Brave <laughs> but, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it was nice to get out, but um, yeah, glad to get back into the warmth. It was chilly out there. Good man. And Nicky, are you training? Are you playing any football at the moment? Uh, we have a league game, a league semi final tomorrow. Um, so, and we're kind of still waiting for a, a manager for the county setup. So that's still uh, still in in uh, in transit at the moment. So we're hoping that gets sorted sooner rather than later. We're talking about playing different sports, lads, and. Uh, Mick Galway, growing up, was your dream to be a Kerry footballer? Now, you got to an All-Ireland final in 86 and you were part of the squad. Was that your dream? Did rugby ever come into your head when you were a young lad? No, um, like growing up in Corra. Um, and, you know, I remember I remember Mickey Ned O'Sullivan brought the Sam Maguire to our school in 75. And he was actually, at the time, he's married to our next-door neighbour of mine, Marion King. He, he, and he brought us to the school to Corra probably the week after... Um, Kerry won the All Ireland seventy five, and from that moment on, I, I you know, I, I, my dream was to play was to play for Kerry. Um, I did, I didn't, it didn't kick off great. I remember in, as a minor, um, 
as a minor a temporary beat us in the Munster final. I remember the following year I went straight to 21s and Clare beat us uh, in the first round of the championship. So my football career didn't get a, a great start. But thankfully the following year, um, because Dwyer brought me into the panel, I remember I remember there was a, you might remember there was um, some kind of an issue back in the day with, with Adidas or something or, you know, some, and there was kind of a strike in Kerry and they basically had to get a, a team together to go up to Tour McKeady in, in, in Mayo to open a pitch. That was the good old days when there was pitch openings. And um, I was brought along. I, I did. I remember I was marking Liam, Liam McHale. I did. I did okay. And uh, I was brought into the panel. And uh, you know, as a man says, the rest was history. But I had just started playing rugby then, so I, you know. But I didn't start playing. I didn't catch a rugby ball until I was seventeen. But there was always a great tradition of of, of rugby uh, in Coral because Moskeen was was only up the road for me, and and Mick and Tom Doyle. Were also reared in Coro, so you know there was also, there was always a great tradition of, of, of rugby in Coro. Were your Gaelic football skills helpful when you began catching that rugby ball in the lineout? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I remember like when I started playing rugby first, and I of course it put me straight into the second row because I was tall. But um, yeah, I definitely you know, and and I suppose what I was doing is what you have to do in Gaelic football. I, I used to tack the ball, and 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 you know, I and I played. I played when I started playing rugby first. I didn't know the rules, so I played like a, like I did as a midfielder. I kept chasing the ball, and I suppose that's what that's what the modern game is about now. But I remember like I was I could end up in the centre. I'd be kicking balls and everything, and like and people would say you can't do that, but I said why not? You know what I mean? And I I was I was I really enjoyed it. And I suppose yeah, when I when I took up the rugby um, at first, um, I just felt it was a great game. I I really enjoyed it, and I, and I was I was kind of put on to. Munster under 18 teams and then I was literally playing I was only playing a year and a half and then I joined Shannon and uh, I got straight into their senior team you know what I mean so um, I was trying to the deep end but it certainly uh, it certainly uh, enjoyed every minute of it Jason what was your dream when you were a young lad was it to be uh, an NBA player or a soccer player or a Dublin Gaelic football player all of the above um, John <laughs> I, I suppose that that's the way I was and I think I think that's a starting point for for not only us but any young young boy or girl out there aspiring to be the best they can be. It's having dreams and having heroes. And I suppose the key key impacts on my life were, were the TV was one the TV and um, depending what was on from a sporting context, they were my heroes. And it it went from uh, it could have been basketball, it could have been tennis, it could have been rugby. The only rugby I I would have exposure to was the Five Nations back in those days, um, and you'd be out with a rugby ball after it and then in terms of uh, going to fit to stuff physically my uncles were were big dublin supporters dublin ga supporters so we went to watch the dubs all around the country and obviously in crow park but i had also gone to daily mount park uh to to watch the the, the bows playing and i would have gone to lansdowne road when when the, the joe soap could get tickets for uh soccer matches as well so so that's where i started and i had a lot of dreams and, and hopes um when when i started out because of uh, looking at sports and events and um, so that was a big impact on me. I suppose the second big impact was the kind of role models I had. I grew up in Finglas and I suppose at the time there were a couple of soccer players that were had a chance. Uh, Pat Fenlon who, who would be known now is a, like he was a great player and a great coach. He, he I remember him going over to trials uh, with Chelsea and all the kids in the, in the area looked up to him and um, I hung around with a guy called Alan Moore who played for Ireland the Middlesbrough and then when I went to school in St Vincent's Glass Nevin Ken Cunningham was was on his way to I think it was Millwall at the Ken. time or, <laughs> Ken yeah was it was a Wimbledon or Millwall he went to first uh, he went to Millwall call. first and then Wimbledon I think Millwall, uh, Kenny yeah. that's right yeah, and, and then Desi Farrell as well would have been in the school and he was a bit of a superstar because he, he played so many sports. So they, they would have been the big influences of me uh, on me when I was that age. And um, like all kids, if you have dreams, you just want to do what you can to, to achieve your dreams and your goals. So you're playing basketball, you're playing a bit of soccer as well, Jason, in your teenage years, and then you break onto the dub scene and you win an All-Ireland at 19. Did all these sports help you in each additional sport as it were with your skills with your concept concept of space with coordination do they all complement each other absolutely 
Yeah, I think um, I think like in Ireland, we, we are we're lucky that we, we kind of have a cross section of so many sports. And I suppose when I look back, I, I regret that I didn't get a chance um, to play rugby. I like I, I would have loved to play it as a scrum half. I just think that I, I, potentially physically I might have had the tools to play scrum half and even cricket. It was something that I didn't get a chance to play in a game. You kind of think maybe you could have done well, well at that game, but certainly been exposed to different sports. Um, I was able to kind of uh, survive, um, and that's part big, a big part of the challenge in all spa, uh, sports. Um, when you look at how you prepare for sport, you can break it into the technical piece, the tactical piece, the physical piece, and also the the psychological, the mindset piece. And it, when I look back, I certainly wasn't the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest, um, but I had a mindset that I wanted to be the best I could be, and I picked up the technical skills I needed to kind of survive and excel and sports and I think that stood to me and even even when I did get to play with Dublin as a 19 year old I was very limited in my skill set but I, I suppose it was the mindset that I had to kind of survive and understand how I could add value to the team that kind of got me through in those early years and then I suppose when I wanted to master the sport when I wanted to commit to one sport then I focused on the technical and tactical sides to be the best I could be as, a, as an individual player. And, and Mickey, now, when you were a young lad in your teenage years, you were underage with bows, I believe, soccer, you're obviously with Gaelic football, and then you got that pathway to Essendon and the Australian Football League. So what was the benefit for you of playing multiple sports and getting your uh, insight into how sports are played differently? Yeah, kind of touching on from what uh, Mick and what Jason's after mentioned there, that you, you pick up different things from different sports. And, and that's something probably that you see probably as a coach now and as a player that the the tactical side of things and even the technical side of things really does help. I think with soccer, that footwork can cross over um, into Gaelic football for the tackling or even rugby for that matter. Um, and then the tactical side of things are spatial awareness um, and and even angles of passing and that from soccer triangles, creating um, those triangles in soccer um, is something that's been huge. But I probably was always heading down the route of always wanting to play professional sport. The idea of getting up and going training in the morning was something that was just ingrained in me that I loved that idea and then when you're home you come home in the evening that that was your job and whether that was soccer tennis Gaelic football or whatever way things were going and ended up heading for um Australia and I that was something I wanted to do and um, I played uh, under 15 and under 17 uh, for Bows um, and then in my under 17 year I decided I was heading to college and I was going to be in Dublin I was going to give the soccer a real shot and uh it was my last year minor and I opted out and just gradually bit by bit, I'll just come to the games, just come to the training and try juggle the boat without telling everyone. Um, and then from the, that final year in my minor year, we played Mead in uh, the Leinster semi-final and Scout was obviously at the game and I got a two-week trial down to Australia. And from there, I spent three years down there. So um, it kind of you're heading down one pathway and it changed very quickly but the skills that you pick up not just the physical but um probably the tactical technical as jason has mentioned um from different sports they, they just make you a more rounded player or athlete and then probably the, the level of coaching that you're getting from different sports too that you're kind of working with probably some of the best coaches in different areas that you know that transferable skill from one sport to the next is something that a lot of sports have whether it be soccer rugby basketball there's so many areas that that kids can cross over from one to the next and i think it's now is more important than ever especially after um the lockdown and probably 18 months without playing organized sport that probably kids basic fundamental movement skills aren't probably where the wars Ireland and um, their their rates uh, and norms have dropped off massively and I think in the next five or six years it's going to tell its, its tale too so playing sports um, and multiple sports is going to be hugely important going forward So that that actual topic there you just touched upon there Mickey Quinn uh, Mick Galway 
there could be this argument that Ireland are never going to win a Rugby World Cup because if you think of New Zealand, rugby is everything there, isn't it, really, mainly? If you look at England for, 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 for soccer is the main sport. I know they play cricket as well, but mainly it's soccer. I know they play rugby union, but soccer is the, the religion in England. Um, are we too small a country to be devil's advocate about it, to be playing all these multiple sports? And, you know, if we didn't have the GA, for example, would we have an amazing soccer team that can compete at an international level? Would we have an amazing rugby team? Or is it more important for society for kids to have fun playing multiple sports, to develop their, as Mickey said, their skills and their coordination and their and their different insight, and also to have fun as as, as teammates in different sports, should we be encouraging as a nation, Mick Galway, kids to play as many sports as possible? Absolutely, I I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, it's um, I remember I was growing up, and and you know, and we didn't have great facilities, but we had, I played soccer, I played basketball, I played a bit of handball. You know, all these all these sports helped me, and I must say. I played a lot of basketball, and 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 basketball is, is a great game, and you know, and it it certainly some of the skills that I would have picked up in basketball, I brought it into into rugby because communication is huge, um, peripheral vision is important. You know what I mean, and 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 literally defense and what have you. You know what I mean. So all those sports are are, are fantastic. But yes, you know, I would encourage kids to play all sports, try all sports, and then maybe eventually you, you will find your way. Like I only, as I said earlier, I only I only came across rugby by chance. I remember I, I was playing basketball in Killarney and I was actually training with um, St. Vincent senior team and I was only 17. And I remember um, I used to have to cycle to Farn Four and the, the winter came in and I the boys said, look, we're, we're going down to Castle Island, you know, after rugby. So I said, I'll go along. And, and I actually played a match the following day. You know what I mean? They had, they had a, there was a monster trial and I played in it and, and the rest was history. But certainly um, I would encourage kids to play all sports and 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 you know um you know we can still compete like it's great that we beat the the, the, the all blacks a few weeks ago i know i suppose uh, uh, the real test of any any international rugby team is how they get on the world cup and and you know I remember going into the last world cup we were um we were ranked number one the only ranking that that counts is 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 the ranking when you when you come finish in, at the world cup but um Certainly, you know, look, and I look at all the great players, particularly in GA, maybe down through the years that I've seen, that I've played with and in both um, football and hurling. If we, you know, if we didn't have football and hurling, I would imagine that we'd be up there and better than the All Blacks and and, and, and probably in the same in soccer because um, the amount of people that are playing GA is fantastic. And, and, and you know, it's 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 a it's a phenomenal game. I live, I live in Kilkenny here now and I just love going along to and watching the hurling. All my kids play it. And um, it's just fantastic. But look, I think there's there's room for all sports and bottom line, if I was to give any advice to any kid, just try them all and and, and you know don't like don't commit to something hundred percent maybe when you're yeah. ten or eleven or twelve. You know what I mean? Just just keep trying everything and, and you will find your, your your sweet spot in the end. Yeah, I think the Gaelic game has been a fabric of our nation is important and uh, also it being fun for young people to play all different types of sports uh, is also a key thing. Then again, you have like Jason uh, soccer academies now, and you know, all these underage leagues, and I can understand what the FE are trying to do. They're trying to develop the skills of players for for the future. Where do you stand at the specialisation versus the multiple sports argument? Given you played multiple sports, yeah, well, and, and I suppose I'm I, I'm my my presumptions are based on my experience, um, and I, I coached um, development squads, uh, groups of Dublin underage footballers from under 13 up to minor. And we were very much about um, engaging their hearts and minds. We wanted to encourage them to really enjoy and love playing GA and love playing for Dublin. But at the same time, we didn't we didn't ask them to sacrifice or commit to our our team apart from other teams it, it was part we we were there to provide a platform and if they enjoyed themselves they come back but if they went somewhere else and played another sport and had a better time that was perfectly fine too um and i think i would i would question about um that kind of early specialization um i i wouldn't be quite sure whether that's that has the long-term benefits and I would be always conscious about what we're trying to achieve, particularly at underage and coaching. Um, sometimes I think success is, it seems to be the priority and the focus where I, I would always question, should that be the, 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 the priority? Because ultimately you want these young boys and girls to grow to love their sport and to be dedicated, but also when they finish playing that they still have a grow to whatever club or affinity they have 
to to give back in some way as a mentor or part of a committee and stuff like that. And I'm I'm kind of always skeptical and worried about the the I suppose the 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 burnout or the the, the players that kind of when they get to the late teens and early twenties, they they're just sick of it and and they finish up playing sport. And unfortunately, and we're we're good testaments of it. Like sport can can provide so much on the pitch, but also off the pitch in terms of the community and and the people that you you meet. So um, I suppose in that regard, I would prefer if people had the opportunity to enjoy their sport at a young age. And if if they love it and if they have a talent to become better, they'll find their way. Uh, the one thing that struck me when I was involved with the Dublin senior football team, it wasn't necessarily the best technical players or the best tactical players that ended up playing for Dublin. It was probably the guys with the best attitude. And again, there's no rush to force these young boys and girls to be the best footballers at an early age. They'll find their way. If they have the right attitude, they will find their way. So in that regard, I I would be very similar to Mick there. And I know uh, Mickey is the same, that to encourage the skills of your game and encourage, try to encourage and love of the sport and and let the the young boys or girls then to to figure, figure it out for themselves. Listeners out there, 53106, you ought to get in touch with the question for Jason Sherlock and Mick Galway or Mickey Quinn on the Saturday panel about uh, playing different sports and what your experiences are or those of your children. Uh, Mickey Quinn, um, you've I know you were talking on Twitter about maybe having a calendar for, for multi-sports. You want to maybe elaborate on that, please? Yeah, like oh, you kind of sit down and you, you're looking at different competitions. I see it in the school at the moment and St. Mel's College there that, you know, fixtures are just coming thick and fast and then you're trying to trying to cater for all that kids can play different sports rather than saying you have to pick one and go with it. But you'd love to see it across the board that um, sporting organisations can actually work together rather than trying to compete against each other and saying, oh, we're going to lose him to soccer and we have to you know, keep him playing Gaelic football or vice versa. Um, whereas I think there's, there's still room to try and allow for that, that if the calendar was broken up into four slots, November, December, January is one, that's your winter slot, that maybe for basketball, next one, February, March, April for athletics, and then you're into your summer months and whatever gets gets that then, May, June, July for Gaelic football maybe, and then the, fall, the last um, term from September, October, uh, August, September, October, that you're heading into maybe soccer for that last period. And, whether that's up until a certain age, up until 16, 17, I think kids shouldn't, at least that age, shouldn't have to choose. And you see the dropout rate um, from then on, from 17s, 18s, 19s, that there's a huge dropout rate and probably even lower now um, that by giving giving kids that opportunity to play different sports, um, they're going to be with their friends. You hope that they're going to find a sport that they enjoy Rather than write Gaelic football doesn't suit, I'm not playing it, and then that's it. They're they're finished playing sport. That haven't experienced any other sports that that they enjoy. They associate um, that sport or maybe a, a bad memory that they had with that chosen sport. That they associate every sport with the same same uh, same standard of coaching or same experiences. So that's something that probably as a PE teacher and probably from my own experience that I've realised that. You know, the the more sports that you take part in, uh, the better it is for for probably lifelong learning and staying fit and healthy right up until your your, your older ages. That people can experience those those kind of sports. That when when they, they give up team sports, that they have a grow for something else, whether it be cycling, running, swimming, and and those individual sports too. That team sports aren't for everyone, and I think that's probably we we jump forward into team sports massively probably in this country um, and probably a lot of that is down to probably basic fundamental movement skills. I find that if if you don't have them, if you're trying to take part in a team sport, you're not going to enjoy if a ball is thrown to you and you yeah. can't catch it and no one passes you the ball. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's an area that I'm fairly passionate about and, and you, you're probably all hands on deck when you see it coming through schools that it's it's something that really needs needs work. Okay, thanks so much, Mickey Quinn, for the moment. Uh, Mick Galway and Jason Sherlock on the Saturday panel on sporting careers in more than one sport. Uh, we're going to have more after two after the music in Texas and five three one zero six. Just to let you know, folks, Arsenal lead Newcastle by goal to nil in the Premier League. But Kyle Saka with the goal. We're back after the news. Stay with us. 
And while we're getting carried away, Joe, Jason Knight reminds me a little bit of young Roy Keane. But while we're in full buzz at the moment, I think I'll just throw that in there and, and heap unnecessary pressure on the show. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The Saturday Panel on Off The Ball. Welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. Arsenal two, Newcastle nil now in the Premier League. And can text us five three one zero six and tweet us at Off the Ball. This week's Saturday panel brought to you with thanks to the new all Renault Arcana, the sporty, spacious hybrid SUV. We're chatting to Jason Sherlock, Mick Galway, and Mickey Quinn about what it's like to excel at more than one sport. You can listen on News Talk watches as well on the digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Great reaction to the panel. As you'd expect, such uh, great stars to have it with us today. 53106, here's the flavour of some of the texts. Have to agree with Jason's point on teens getting sick of their sport. I played at a decent level of GA, Dublin underage, and schoolboy A soccer from about 11. Then I reached 16 or 17. I had enough. I was done. Five nights training, matches Saturday and Sunday. I'm 42 now. Still a massive regret. I didn't keep going. Never lost a touch, though, says Johnny in Blanchard's 10. Uh, team sports in particular pose a dilemma when there's a competitive element, but not all children will be capable of this. Swimming, cycling, karate and other apparently individual sports have much to offer those who just want to train but don't feel the burning desire to win, says Brendan at Waterford. Jason's point about the personality and attitude being important is 100%. It takes a strong personality to rebel against the only one-sport attitude of clubs and coaches who are all about winning, says one of our texters. Another one, I've got five kids playing three to four sports each of the past 10 years. All the research shows this is the best way to develop athletically, but it's extremely hard. Lip service, paid to it, but ultimately coaches aren't happy and feel not committed. Still doing it at 16, 17. Joined up thinking is needed to support families. And I coach multi-sports. My kids play multi-sports. When the relationship between coaches is good, it works. When there's no real relationship, it doesn't. Kids can either be very lucky or unlucky, as it usually is an individual thing rather than a link between clubs. Very difficult when some coaches cannot see the bigger picture. All three of you folks, you had really good success in your teenage years, early in life, McGalway. Did being in that Kerry dressing room with all those winners really give you a, a mindset advantage when you took that to your professional career in rugby? We're, I was in a winning dressing room at an early age. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I I I felt I was very lucky at the time to be with some great players. They were my heroes. Um, you know, you can rattle off the names: Paddy Shea, Pat Spillane, Ogie Moore, Mikey Sheehy. You know, um, the Bomber, George Power, Shawnee Walsh, Jacko. You just go on and on. Charlie Nelligan, like it's Shawnee. Like they were just phenomenal players. And I would have learned an awful lot from them, each and every one of them, because they had a great winning mentality. And of course, that winning mentality came from Mick O'Dwyer. You know, I thought Mick was 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 ahead of his time as a coach, um, because the, I remember the training. The training, you know, he you could get the players to peak at the right time. And of course, back then, September was was when you had to peak. Um, I remember being involved with the squad, and 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 the training wasn't too it wasn't too tough before the, the, the Munster final against Cork and uh but it really stepped up then. It really, it really, really stepped up the you know, there was laps, but that was that was just building endurance. And then there was as we used to call them wire to wires, that was just like doing intervals, you know what I mean? And then just getting just the sharp stuff coming up to I suppose to you know, I remember like we, we obviously played a meet in the semi final and 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 Tyrone um, a couple of weeks later. But um certainly what I loved about the whole the whole thing was was I learned so much, and 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 what those lads they they just brought it to a new level when they had to, and then the winning mentality, the um they never say die attitude was certainly something that I I brought on to to, I suppose to Munster um you know and I was very lucky as well as of course I was I was involved with Shannon which was which, which we had a great team as well you know like I was playing with players like um James McLaughlin and Colin Tucker you know these were legendary players and and there I was playing with them but um. Certainly, I learned an awful lot when I was younger, and certainly, um, you know, as Jason said earlier, you know, it's it's you just have to bring a different skill set to, to uh, and different, I suppose, temperament to, to different sports. But certainly, you have to be mentally strong. You have to be, you know, you have to you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe you're a winner. Um, you know, in, in in I suppose in professional rugby, again, I wasn't. I was a second round. I was. I was certainly. I was only six foot four. You know what I mean. A lot of the lads I was playing against could be maybe six nine and six eight. So you know, I had to adapt in that. And I was lucky enough, I suppose, I had John Hayes lifting me as well, and that that certainly certainly helps. But um, you know, you learn so much, and particularly, you know, I I 
I had played 10 years with, with Munster, for example, and then the game went professional. You know, so I got another seven years out of that. I was, I got, as it happened, I got seven one-year contracts. You know, if they'd given me a three-year contract, maybe first day out, uh, I might have only lasted three years, but I was playing, I was playing for my job. And uh, it was, from that point of view, it was fantastic. But the first day that I started playing sports to the last day of whatever competitive, you always learn something new about yourself and you always learn something. So that's the great thing, I think, about all sports. You, you, you will never, um, you will learn no, you will you'll never know enough. Like I remember, I was probably playing the best rugby of my life, and you know yourself when I was um, probably in my mid twenties, and I wasn't getting on the Irish team at the time, and and you know, I captained Ireland when I was thirty five. You know, so it's 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 something that's um, and I wasn't as good a player then, but I suppose I I knew more about the game, and I certainly knew more about myself, and you know, it's it's, it's like the old cliche, you know, you just you just learn so much and. Sometimes you can be exerting energy and it could be going in the wrong directions. You just get cuter as you get older and that's certain, certainly something that I, that I picked up. Mickey Quinn, what was that first day like playing in the Aussie Rules League with Essendon? Yeah, it was probably um, just head down, pure naivety really. Um, getting the plane and head half around the, the world to another country to play a sport that you've never really seen played properly. And kind of, um, I remember being interviewed afterwards uh in the in the dressing room and kind of camera stuck in your face and was like what's going on here and then the next day it was a, a choir a choir boy um uh heading on that he kind of just out me debt but that the thing with you that you just get on with it and, and that naivety was probably what got me there and and kept me there for the first couple of years and probably i found as as the time went on I probably got very caught up in structures and formations and tactics and percentages and being probably too worried about making mistakes. And that was something probably that I've learned from from the different sports. And, and you see it with, with kids now that not having that fear of making a mistake. And, and you know, the best sport, the best games I played in AFL were when I played off the cuff, everything that I learned playing Gaelic football, I was playing as if I was still playing Gaelic football and give and go, stay in the move and, and throwing jinx and shimmies and things like that. And, and they're not expecting those kind of things out there. Whereas if you kind of probably fall into the trap of playing to structures and tactics and formations, you kind of lose that little bit of an edge that you may have had. Um, and, you know, I always look back in that first game as, you know, it was just as if nothing really happened or I just got on with it. And it was more so probably the aftermath and the day after where you kind of, you're, you're getting interviewed and, you know, that was probably the quickest debut by an Irish guy. And it was kind of, Marty Clark was there at the time, uh, Kevin Dias, um, he Marty had the the record for the quickest debut, but I think it was the, the probably the caliber of coaching that was there at the moment um, or at the time when I was there. That there was an Alan Richardson who had worked with um, Marty Clark and Matthew Knights was manager and probably put his trust in me to to give me a go. And that's something that I'll be forever grateful for. But it kind of leads into the coaching side of things now that you kind of you have to kind of give give kids an opportunity to to learn and make mistakes and, and that's what they learn from I think and sport will probably give that resilience uh, to make mistakes and learn from them and um, whereas there's probably not uh, as much of that if you're not involved in sport and when you came back to Longford then uh, Mickey was it a case of listen lads now th- these are the kind of things uh, I can give you an insight about that we were maybe not doing the right way that, that I can give you this window that this is what professional sport can do and can bring and these are some practices we could bring into the Longford uh, fold is that how it worked or did it, did it transfer yeah, that well, way you, you kind of try like I remember sitting on the plane on the way back um, with my wife uh, girlfriend at the time and jotting down and all the different things that you'd love to do or change and this could change and this could that change but you're probably beaten down as you go get back into the system um, and that's kind of that train of thought slightly changed but I remember um, first year back or first three or four months back um, we played Lanford Town in a charity match uh, Lanford GA versus Lanford Town and I remember Vinnie Perth introducing himself and shaking my hand Was it soccer or Gaelic football uh, Mickey? Soccer well, well, yeah, 
could you call what we were playing soccer? It probably was. It was probably booted as long as you can and have a big striker and compete and throw yourself in there. But we it, it was soccer in Flanker Park at the time and Vinny came up to me after the game and, you know, I, and you're definitely heading uh, for a game. Like I heard, you know, I've seen you play. Would you be interested in playing soccer? And kind of always look back and that was like, Jesus, I wonder, could 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 I have given that another go? Um, and I think anyone that plays multiple sports and probably Jason and, and Mick could tell you that when you're probably there, you, you'd wonder, would you be able to... Um, give it a rattle for, for six months or whatever, or even see what Kieran Donaghy and, and these guys are doing and um, jumping from basketball to Gaelic football, that would you still be able to do it um, when you get older in comparison when you're doing it at a younger age? Jason, you're 19 years of age, you've been playing basketball, you've been playing soccer, and then you're lighting up the summer for Dublin. Did you have to pinch yourself at the time? Um probably did I was just in in that bubble and again I, I was very lucky in the sense of the Dublin team at that stage had been knocking on the door and they hadn't quite knocked the door down and they were probably open to something different and I, I probably I just fit that fit the mold and it was just one of those years I suppose when I look back at it I was very lucky I, I was playing soccer with UCD but uh uh, for uh, Dr. Tony O'Neill, who who's passed since, um, he he had he was happy for me to play both soccer for UCD and and gas. So there were there were times where I'd play a match for UCD on one night, and then I'd be playing a league match for Dublin the next day. Actually, my, my debut was against Kerry down in Killarney. Um, in the league that year, and again that that was that that obviously gave me the opportunity to kind of uh, put my hand up to play. I also I think from playing in Crow Park as a nineteen year old, it, it could sound daunting for a lot of people. I was so innocent that that was one part that the innocence of youth it didn't really phase me. But also from my basketball, um, like I, I played in very hostile environments around uh, Ireland. Played up in St Malachy's basketball in Malachy School. Played in Castlebar against England. Played in uh, down in the Neptune and uh, again in the Procure Hall against North Mon. So really hostile areas um, and and in, in, in hostile situations where you, you needed to have a good temperament to survive. So that that stood to me then when when I was playing for the Dubs and I think that that year it, it, I was just living on instinct. You know, in terms of my contribution, it was very little. But I suppose they were significant as well. And I was just fortunate that I had a team that uh, were willing to kind of put up with with the the, the level of, of impact in, input I was making into the team. Um, and I think I just I, I love the crowd. I, I reveled in that. I really enjoyed that having having the buzz of the occasion. Um, we'd represented Ireland in Turkey and we played in, in stadiums with 5000 people, packed stadiums. And as a kind of 16, 17 year old, that that was intimidating. But it certainly prepared me for bigger occasions and atmospheres um, as I got older. So uh, certainly, yeah, it, it, I did have to pinch myself and it, it didn't phase me. And it was just one of those seasons where, where everything everything went well. And then a couple of decades later, Jason, you're part of a five in a row Dublin winning coaching setup with Jim Gavin. I'm just fascinated to know how much basketball uh, experience went into your coaching when you when you were involved with the Dubs. Now you've left now, you might be able to talk about it a bit more. As, as former players and athletes, we, we will, as coaches, then we will look back at our own perspective and our own experiences. And, um, and Mick obviously mentioned it already about the impact basketball and he, and he had on his sport. And certainly it was the same for me. Um, I think whatever about the skills of the game, I think tactically, because the game is obviously five on five, you do understand what every player is doing on the court. And I remember in the GA context, we had a, a session with the, the former former great John Morrison. He was a great coach. And I remember we were playing a match and we scored a goal and, and he stopped it and he said, well, why did you score that? And people were kind of scratching their heads saying, well, such and such just put it in the back of the net. And he says, no, but why did he score? well, someone passed him the ball and how did that person get the ball? And it was the first time it dawned on me about actually thinking about why something happened. And that was something in a GA context. That was something I was very familiar with from a basketball context. So to your point then, John, in terms of my own coaching, I, I certainly felt that if you could have a GA team where number one knew what number 15 was doing or thinking, 
Um, now it can be hard because the pitch obviously is so big, but certainly that was in the back of my mind in terms of how we approach the game from a coaching perspective. And again, we were just very lucky. We were dealing with some highly intelligent guys that were humble enough to listen to some fella that used to play as well. So yeah, it was a great environment, a great learning environment where they were open and willing to, to get better. And I suppose as coaches, all we had to do was try to kind of point their nose to areas or situations where they could improve. Um, and certainly I think basketball has done that. I think offensively in terms of structure, you look at like the way the defenses had been setting up. And I think we take great pride in the in the way we we looked at breaking down kind of set defenses. Um, but the other two big areas now are the kickouts for and kickouts against. To me, that's the most exciting part of GA now. Um, you, you see teams now whether they're going to sit back or whether they're going to press up. And again, that's something that's very familiar in um, in basketball. And you can see now that the the teams and it creates great energy. I'm sure as a player, Mickey, you, you you're still there. Like it, it creates great energy when you know you're going on the attack and you're going to try and win win the turnover and then when you get the turnover you're on the attack straight away so so yeah but like all, all sports i think there's all there's all these little little nuggets that you can take from any sport and, and certainly i think basketball has a lot of synergy towards our, our gaelic games was, was there specific plays in all Ireland finals in close moments or goals or points that you kind of smiled to yourself when it all came off jason like that kind of yes. link between basketball and, and any any examples you give us? Um I wouldn't give specific sure. examples, but but I think that and I think that's the skill of any team that you're all on the same page. And again, rugby is such a structured game. And I'm sure if you go back to the All Blacks match, I'm sure there was a lot of satisfied coaches and players knowing that they were set plays that worked. And I suppose there were elements of it like that where if there was a situation, we were prepared for it. So there were certainly a couple ones that uh, that I'd like to think over the years. And I'm sure Mick, as a, as a carry man, he might remember the throw in, in in 2019. So that was interesting how, how it played out. And again, it was very satisfying to see guys kind of think about a situation. And OK, it, it wasn't the way it was meant to be executed. Is this Owen Merchant, Jason? It, it, it might have been, yeah, it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to mention it, just Mick, but, um, but yeah, like obviously on the way he went. But if you if you looked at what the six forwards did, uh, you might get a sense of the the game intelligence and the the selflessness they had as a team. Yeah, very good. Mick Galway, uh, when I'm looking at the All Blacks game there recently, and Brian Driscoll's called it the complete performance, where he played over 140 times in tests. You must be excited and. We then we it's almost like with Paulie Paul O'Connell and uh Mike Cash, they're now revealing what they've been working on for the last couple of years, and that's quite uh thrilling, really, to, to feel that way now about an Irish rugby team going into Six Nations. Absolutely, you know, um, I I was I went to all three matches, um, Japan match first, and then I was thinking, or, or Japan up to it, you know what I mean? I, I just felt it wasn't a great test before we played the All Blacks, but certainly I knew. After the All Blacks game and, and even again last weekend against Argentina, that's um, that the Irish rugby has gone to a new level. You know what I mean? And sometimes you need to be careful when you're saying that because you know we history will tell us that we've we've always peaked too early, probably two years before the the Rugby World Cup. But um, I think there's something I think there's something different in this team. And yes, you can see like um, Paul O'Connell is written all over that. You know what I mean? And and. And particularly the forwards, like I, I see how he's obviously done the lineouts and stuff. But um, each and every one of those players, they all know what they're doing. You know, the, the game of rugby has evolved so much. When I started playing rugby, uh, you know, there were certain players on, on 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 the team that maybe never touched the ball in the whole game, and that could end up being man of the match. You know what I mean? But like now, it's 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 just a complete game. You know, and I think it's a fantastic game, and and the way Ireland are playing at the moment, um, you know. When the ball is 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 live, there's no number on your back. You you see backs, you see the forwards out the backs. You see the forwards pop you up in the wing. You know you see you see props like and particularly I suppose this Irish team. Um, you know, um, Porter, um, Kelleher and 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 Tyke Furlong. Like the way that those three players are front row players, the amount of tackles they're putting in, the amount of ball carries they're making. The amount of, of 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 just the energy out of those three alone is huge, 
Um, I remember when I was playing rugby back in the day, you know, I think our target was as front five players, that's front row and second row, was to put in five tackles. Now the front rows are probably putting in up to 20 tackles. You know what I mean? And then that gives, I suppose, other players the opportunity to, to make space. But certainly, you know, and Jason mentioned about, about basketball there, you know, five players and they all know what they're doing. I think that's where rugby is at the moment. I think, you know, the prop needs to know what, what the, the fullback is doing. And, and as I said, when the ball is 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 out around the pitch, um, there's no number in your back. You just you just just carry on and play the game and play and play the set moves. And uh, it's certainly a very exciting game now, and it's a very a very exciting team. Um, I just hope that we can keep it going. Certainly, the the the, the upcoming uh, Six Nations is going to be tough, particularly with France and England away. And we I think we'll know a lot more about when we go down to New Zealand, playing in three tests, and I think we're playing the Maoris as well. Yeah. We know an awful lot more about this Irish team maybe from next 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 July. 53106 for text, Mick Galway, uh, Jason Sherlock and Mickey Quinn on playing more than one sport. It's Arsenal 2 uh, Newcastle nil in the closing stages of the Premier League. A text in here, we need to direct the early learning and sport fundamentals through schools as a subject. It needs investment. We should be identifying where young children fit into the talent and skills pool. Ireland could have amazing Olympic athletes if we structured our teaching of all the fundamental learning strands, says Brendan. I play Gaelic to a high level as well as athletic soccer, rugby and basketball. The only reason by attitude I found out when I played under 17 against Australians was a cross training I did and the disposable skills that made me ahead of other technically better players who went on to represent their countries for years I played Gaelic the most never stopped running and enjoyed rugby the best enjoyed every minute of the mall says DMG in Cavan we are a recreational sport nation says one of our textures our sports culture is multi-sport only the FAI don't get this the national leagues are nonsensical they're forcing children to select one sport far too soon we also need better calibration between codes thousands of children are having to pick one sport from the ages of 10 because Local clubs and leagues are playing the same ages at the same days. Clubs could, should be offering free play sessions where children do not have to commit to a team but can also just show up and play the game freely. It would be helpful as well, Mickey Quinn, if the GA facilities were um, able to be used by other sports. We see the, I think there's a story there recently I read about Ballygunner and Waterford uh, didn't feel they could open up facilities to uh, Bohemians Waterford soccer team. I don't know if you saw that story, but Sharing of facilities, I think, especially with all these talk about stadiums for, for the World Cup of 2030, um, could be a, a departure that is welcome and, and needed, I think. Definitely. Like, I probably see it for ourselves there. There's times um, where we're heading to Dublin for training, even at a county level. Um, and that's from the GA side of things with lots of facilities there. Um, and we're probably, we're probably at a stage where... Um, the GA are ahead of other sports facility wise and maybe behind in, in coaching side of things and playing catch up there. Um, and that's something the coaching side of things and having the facilities has been huge. And I think um, with the way things are in this country, having all round weather pitches um, available for for different sports and, and that kind of probably links back in what we had talked about there with um that understanding and rather than competing against each other, that clubs are able to work together um, soccer and, and Gaelic football and, and whatever rugby as well, and um, that they can feed off each other. Um, so hopefully that in time that that might be something that can happen because I think probably from a whole looking at the GA fixture from a senior level is something that has been talked about massively, but right down to an underage level, uh, a long, such a long season there for nine months, and um, playing Gaelic football, or even jumping on 10, 11 months for for some 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 kids. Um, it, it's too long, and I suppose that's what leads to the burnout and that repetition of um, the same movement and actions in that sport. You know, your your repetition injuries with hips, groins, and, and things like that is what's ca- causing the burnout and causing these probably serious injuries by maybe early specialising in a sport and then the same kind of training and movement uh, from a really young age uh, causes that. Uh, one of our humorous textures has been in touch. Yeah, you're right. They should open the Viva to Gaelic football and hurling. 
Uh, and hey lads, I've got a son who seems to have a flair for all sports, was in GA development squads until told he had to give priority to GA to progress at under 14 level. Now playing soccer at League of Ireland Academy level and just plays GA club level. A lot of coaches have got the wrong mentality, which leads to a loss of uh, young athletes, says Paul on 53106. This is the balance in act, isn't it, between our, I suppose, our culture of winning versus development of skills in different sports and the, the almost the conflict between the two. Um, just before we wrap up, Jason Sherlock, did the Dubs need a bit of a transition after all these All-Irelands, six All-Irelands in a row? Are you hoping to see maybe Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey back, back next year? It'll be a, an interesting 2022 for the Dubs. Yeah, it will. It will. Um, I, I think, I suppose from a Dublin perspective, it, it, it's not what, where we'd like to be, but we are where we are. And even uh, when, when, when I finished up, I, I always felt that there was another there was another opportunity for growth when when those guys faced a bit of uh, a bit of of a challenge and um obviously they they've had that they've had that adversity uh with the year that they've had so it's now over to them to kind of to, to kind of fix that and I think from a Dublin perspective we always would love to have the, the best players available and, and playing but at the same time we respect that one these guys have given a great service to Dublin they, they don't they don't owe Dublin anything and there's a lot more going in, on in their lives than just football um, and and secondly we, we just we just want to see that the, the best team that Dublin can put out and and perform as well as they can so um so yeah it'll be I think it's it's not ideal that they they didn't have the success that they might have liked but certainly it'll be interesting to see how they respond from from last year mickey I, as just uh earlier on the dish i had my head and my hands when that vote was defeated about the football championship structure i think next year will be difficult for gaelic football are you uh, as motivated as you have been or did you find it deflating that that vote yeah it is look you're probably going into that time of the year where it kind of it's, it's kind of brushed to one side and kind of Probably from our situation where we're still waiting on things to happen and management wise we haven't got off the ground yet so you're kind of sitting waiting um, and waiting for probably fixtures to come out and see what's going to happen next and um, the probably worry is is how the Talchon Cup and that second tier competition how it's ran off and what kind of publicity it gets and um, in order for development um, for, for for Langford football and, and counties of a similar standard and um, you know we've got a lot of really strong underage players coming up and you'd hope that when they look to that level that they can see okay there is something there for us that we can train and play for and um, rather than maybe being deterred by it and maybe heading in a different direction um, and playing a different sport but that's something that hopefully uh can be narrowed down in the next couple of months and hopefully can get before Congress again for, for another vote. There is pressure for change, I think. There is pressure to have a meaningful situation where Longford can be battling for a trophy and have uh, a good run of matches in the summer. Definitely. Like, look, we, we know we're not going to win in All-Ireland and there's no point in kind of, you have to be realistic about things, but I think everyone should have an opportunity to, to compete and, and play and, and win. I suppose my mantra probably as a coach and teacher is for things to be fun and competitive. And that goes from, from nursery right through to senior. Um, and, you know, that's what, what anyone wants is, is for it to be competitive um, and you have an opportunity to win something um, and that you can have fun doing it. So uh, hopefully time will, will, will be on our side and that can happen in, in hopefully the next two, three years. And Mick Galway to finish. Did Roy Keane give any insights last night? We haven't heard. No, to be honest, um, you know, in fairness, what, what what you see is what you get. He was um, he was fantastic. You know, he 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 spoke about great coaches and and, and great players. And um, you know, obviously the, the 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 United thing was mentioned about, but um, you know, he's obviously still very close to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. So there was nothing there was nothing negative. But in fairness, Tim, he's um, you know. What you see is what you get, and um, and I was delighted for that because you know sometimes you you could meet people and you know they're not the same person that you might think they were, but um, with Roy Keane is hundred percent. Absolutely, I think what what we see is what we get from yourself, Mick Galway and Jason Sherlock and Mickey Quinn. Lads, stay in from the cold, and thanks for giving us such insight into what it's like to play different sports for this sports mad nation. Thanks so much for joining the Saturday panel, lads. Thanks John. very much. See you, Mickey Easton. All the best. Saturday panel on Off the Ball.